Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. As you might know, last episode actually ran really long. And so this is part two. We've broken it into two parts. They wouldn't know. Oh, maybe they don't. Because we recorded it beforehand. To them, they've only heard the first half and they're like, what happens next? What is next? <laughs> oh, I hope we edited it on a cliffhanger. All right. So, so this is the intro to the part two. If you're not on the newsletter, you might have just joined. So head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email subscribe and we'll let you know every single time we make two parts of episodes and maybe every other episode we release. Maybe we send them half an email. Just cut it off. And like part one of two. <laughs> Let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing. And I need to let you know that Grant, myself and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. So I've got 150 in deposits. I've got uh, 12 months personal expenses in buffers and I got three months minimum in business buffers. Can I escape stage two and start stepping into stage three? You can. <sighs> What's stage three again? Investing. <sighs> oh, what a good stage. All right, walk, walk us through it. So this is the point where you get to start gloating in front of your friends that you're a business owner and investor now. Do I pull out my like, net banking and start showing people my deposits and buffer? <laughs> You, you've got to get a personal brand website up as well now and say so it's like, <laughs> like business owner and investor. Yeah, yeah they're getting Nailed counted. it. Oh, shit. <laughs> I, I'm going to go straight there. I think for a lot of people, they want to be an investor for the ego and identity that comes with it more than they want to do the thing. Yes. I think it, yes. Yeah, people like to talk about it rather than do it. <laughs> yeah. But this is honestly, if you followed the first two steps well, this part is where the fun kicks in. Really does. Now, I'm going to say uh, the first premise of step three, though, I think is to decide and work out what type of investor you're going to be and yeah. to find some mentorship or someone to model where you can start finding your path through this. Like, I don't think uh, in business, for me, what's worked really well is find someone who's doing it, model and copy them to achieve a similar result. And uh, I've done that through mentorship and networking and I've paid people to do this. It's not like a dirty, I'm stealing their IP. I'm like, I want to know how you did it and I'll make it my own. Well, it cuts 10 years of learning down into a couple of months. So that's how you go fast here. Yeah. So if you're someone who can at this stage go, well, uh, in general, and I'm going to say in general, most people seem to be like the camp property or camp shares. And there's like all these sub layers that go with that, right? Of like, you might be a, dividend investor or an ETF investor or you might be, I want to do um, cash flow property. or Resi or commercial. Or- totally. And I'm not going to pick someone's flavor. I think it speaks to them. Totally. And um, I found, literally, I have found people in all the parts that have done extremely well. Like we both know a guy that does 30% returns per year in the share market. It's ridiculous. I just don't have the, uh, what would you call it, emotional resilience to model him. <laughs> I just never look at the news. <laughs> yeah, but like the, he's and he doesn't use leverage. Yeah, but his whole counter argument is like, I can do thirty percent returns. I don't need to. What are you getting in property? Five. Like, look how much leverage you've got to use to match yeah, me. So, 
look at my skill set. Like, what what am I worried about? Like, I have to learn something different. It works for him. Now, uh, in our case, we've both gone into property and we have utilized that. If you're that way inclined, this is the time to find the person who's wanted in your method and start modeling and cobbling and setting up your stage here. I think that I think there is uh, a couple of good things to educate yourself on before you get into investing as opposed to just like going, I think I like shares more than I like property or I think I like crypto more than I like shares or, or otherwise. I think understanding how people were successful, the time they've put in to be successful. Like the guy that we know in shares, like he invests good amount of time into his shares. He's, he's an active trader. And so where for like for you and I, one thing that um, like myself particularly, I did not want to take time away from the business. And so I was looking for assets that meant that I did not need to perfect them in order to invest in them. And so that that was like these, it was almost like these core principles that I walked through to say, okay, when as I'm looking for which asset to invest in, these are the things that it must align to and someone must be doing the thing already. Where's that? I'm going to go deeper than that. I actually tried a lot of things. Now, I think you were smarter than me on this one because I you didn't, do that as or maybe you didn't i don't know about it but for, for me the list is here like i traded like i did day trading i did options trading i did uh some longer term investing in the share market i did crypto i have i bought a website i did property development i've done a cash flow property i've done a growth property like i not only found the different paths i tried them on Done. i went and bought shares lost a heap of money went and bought crypto lost a heap of money and then our poor businesses lost for heap money. So I just learned- you did definitely. That's another way <laughs> one buying businesses. So I so I went down the road of like, nope, 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 nope. Which one haven't I tried? Ah, oh, this property thing seems good. <laughs> but did you find when you got to your outcome, and this is only right for you? I'm not totally. necessarily suggesting it for everyone. It just feels right. It, I can win. I can win at it. It fits into the mold that I want to play and the games that I want to play. Like it, it is. Yeah. I I know this will sound almost like ambiguous, but like for some people, like they like skiing down cold hills in the middle of nowhere. To me, that it doesn't fit. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, I will like, get you out skiing. Sport is a really interesting idea that it's like you know for some people, clicks that is great at footy, they're great at basketball or tennis, or they're not good at those things. Like me with golf, fantastic. We can go there if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Yes, we'll keep it at goal. Uh, we'll keep it at football. Yeah, I'm football. convinced that it's much the same in investing. You can win at all of these. It's just if you f- you're much more likely to win if you lean into the one that's suited to you than the one you just oh that's where the money is. Totally, totally. And I it, I would still put the lens of like as a business owner acknowledging that your business still needs to be number one priority and just having that lens across the top of this stage. Yeah, do you, do you know what makes investing ridiculously easier? What having good amounts of capital to invest? <laughs> totally. I mean, that's. I think so many people get stop improving on top of their business when they get to this stage because they're like, "Oh, shiny object," and it almost becomes the shiny object is this thing, and they go, "Ah, oh, this has become so much more important than the actual thing that's the foundation." I know we're running long already, but I want to tell a little story here about just again like why this is such a critical thing. Do it. My first property development, right? So. Because I had a strong business and I was able to come up with cash to do that development, right? It was a deal that a lot of people couldn't do. Completely. So when we were searching for this deal, um, which was about, I'm going to say it was about 800 grand, this property, right? And it needed about 100 grand of work done. 
all the other investors out there that didn't have the hundred grand couldn't do that deal. Yep. I could because I was able to generate cash from business to do it. So if you've got a strong business and ability to generate new capital, when you come into this world, suddenly you've got an advantage and way of doing it. Now, I we did that development. We went through it all up. I think we were all in for about just over 900 after, and maybe I'll call it 950 to be conservative here. But that development went on to go and make near half a mil. Yep. Right. So way bigger upside than just generic investing in that type of thing because I was able to come up with the capital. Yeah, because you had that foundation sitting behind you. You had you were open to even more opportunities than people are just trying to scrape past. It wasn't risky for me either because I had the buffers in place. Um, I was already modeling someone else and where they'd been successful. Yep. Uh, I will say that it also proved to me that development is a very active thing and to your point, it's like probably a little bit more active than I was prepared for. The time was what killed me there. But I think that's one of the lessons you have almost have to go through yourself. Completely. Find the thing that aligns to what you're trying to achieve, that appeals to you, that supports or that you think will support the business. And if it doesn't, you need to adjust along the way. Like I still look at so many different other investment opportunities to see, is it going to be a better return? Is it a better allocation of capital? Because I'm always trying to improve on this stage three. Um, And it brings me to like another layer that is between like stage three and stage four which is like set some key milestones. Like how many people have you spoken to that is just like, Charlie, I'm going to invest. And you're like, what's the outcome? It's like, I want to be financially independent. <laughs> and it's like, that's like 15 years sometimes of investing. Sometimes it's 25 years of investing. Sometimes it's 10 years. Now I'll say right now, business owners can do it in five. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But it's like for them, it's not, a, it's not this flick of a switch. It's almost like break it down into chunks so you at least can understand, okay, this is what I'm going for, whether it's, and let's use property as an example. And so for me, the way that I've always broken it down is like $2.5 million blocks. So I go, I'm going to invest in property up to about $2.5 million, reassess, reevaluate. Is it still right for me? How's my borrowing capacity? What do I need to shift to go to the next one? I'm so fascinated how you even came up with that because um, I did not. I was like, uh, financial independence, I'm sticking this path. Like Once I decided after exploring a few ideas of all these things, I'm just doing this till I'm financially independent. But didn't – so one of the things that I found was <clears throat> like I was going heavy. Oh, let's not go too deep on this. I was going heavy on like cash flow properties. And then times changed and the types of assets changed. And I almost needed to shift my approach on going what type of properties or what type of assets am I going to invest? Yeah, in? but see, you've, cha- you've changed context. You said it was two point five mil blocks versus environment changes. But that was the that was the milestone for me to stop and reevaluate okay. everything. Okay, I can work with that. I, let, let's just role play a few of these here because I think this is a fascinating thing in itself. I I will say, and I dare say, you're going to agree with this. Once you've picked what you're going to invest in, or your style of investing, even within that, you've got someone to model or a mentor, a networking group, you've done the education, you've got a goal you want to get to here. Yep. I think you've got to stay focused like you were in business. Like you didn't start a business and then go, do you know what, I'm going to get to this level and see what's up and then maybe I'll start another business. I think you've got to follow through and commit for a bit because of just how much skill there is to develop in each of these. Completely. Uh, Every property purchase is not perfect. Every single one does not increase the same rate that the previous ones had. Right, so you're suggesting in, in the way you're approaching it from here in property specifically, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to acquire two and a half mil worth of property. 
and then I'm going to readdress, is this the right thing for me? And I guess be open-minded to it switching. Completely. And it kind of has a little bit. The environment has changed. I will say that has happened. How does that differ for you, though, in the idea that, all right, there's a $2.5 million block where I'm going to have my assessment point versus interest rates have gone up 10 times in a year and the opportunities are different? So in those scenarios, like I will take that as a reevaluation point, but it just changes the next milestone, right? So I'm going, cool, I want to get to this set out to go to some kind of milestone that's going to get me on the path to financial stability slash financial independence, which is the next two stages. But I'm like, that's a quite a couple of years, right? So I just I just want to make sure that I've got this milestone to stop, reassess, stop, reassess. And that could be a trigger point. Do you, do you know, I found you actually operate like that. And many people who listen to this podcast may be of the same view. This is not what I do. <laughs> Normal person, not normal person. <laughs> no, but, but, I, I very much have this thinking. It's like, all right, so uh, buy a property uh, in this example. Uh, we've bought a property. Is it still working? Yes, go again. Like I, I don't feel the need to reassess unless it's broken. Like I'm not trying to change anything. Where you very much have this unique mind around pausing at certain points, either by time or so, volume, where you want to check it's still the best thing for you. Completely, because I'm not. I acknowledge that this is a long term, right? I acknowledge that financial independence and like going the whole impact and legacy and lifestyle play at the last stage. But that's where we're all going towards. But I'm like, I don't need it now. I don't need it yesterday. I'm like, I'm fine with where I'm at. And so for me to stop and reevaluate the assets and going, is this still the right thing for me to do? It has like, I'm just so disconnected from it. Like I'm just not, it doesn't matter. I'm always open to the idea that I'm not the best investor and that what I'm currently doing is not always going to be the best thing. And so it's just going, okay, well, is there anything else out there? And if I don't find something, I go, cool, I'll just keep going, keep going, keep going until I find something else. I get where you're coming from and I can see the value in it, but I still, it doesn't feel right for me. <laughs> and I got to tell you why, like how many people do you know that have got a business and it's like they keep and stop and assess things and it's like they're just continually distracted by shiny objects. No, that's, that's fair. I guess for me, it's more trying to talk to the people who are doing different things at that stage. Just going and reassessing and I'm like, is this still getting me to where I want? Because to your point, like if I go and buy a couple of million dollars worth of property, but it's not spitting out the cash flow that I thought because interest rates have gone up and now it's more expensive, which means I'm not getting the cash flow that I once was each month. Well, then financial stability and financial independence kick down the road quite a bit. So now I'm reassessing, reassessing my expectations of going, oh, well, this is not going to happen in the next 12 months. It's going to be another three years. Okay. How do what I What are my other options what am I going to do? That? Yeah. Can, can I go and buy unit blocks instead of single houses, like just to try and prop it up? Maybe. maybe it's not. almost like being more tactically open at that point than it is. changing, like, I'm going to start investing in crypto now as an example. It's like I have gone to the gym every single day. Is it still going to be the right thing for what I'm trying to get to? All right, I, I can handle that. I'm not against either of these. <laughs> I want to make sure we have a, a bit of a recap on stage three, though. So um, we get to stage three here. It's like find your investment vehicle, whether that's through exploration or maybe you know someone that's already been really successful, you want to model. Yep. But it's like you've got to find your uh, investment vehicle, find someone to model who's already won at this game. I don't like because of the volumes of capital you're playing with. This is not a trial and error space. This is not. No, is not. Um, I think the team that comes with that's really important. You know, whether you need brokers or um, I don't know, mortgage clearance houses or whatever in shares or yep. exchanges to do things in that realm. 
I think the network comes into this as well. You want to find people that are doing it at the same time as you, not only people that have done it, but are still in the trenches. Yep. Really important. Huge one on that one there. And then setting up your milestones, which I think for everyone should be financial independence. I'm fine with breakers along the way, but I feel like the ultimate goal for everyone should be financial independence. Like you sh- that's where you should be going. Dinner market is going to come out here right now. There's two actually, actually two episodes that people should listen to <laughs> that are probably going to help out on this one. So episode number five, where we talked about the core wealth creation concepts that only top investors know. Uh, I think that's really going to help everyone when they're thinking about the investments. And then episode number 12, which is like building your wealth creation team. I think, and they're all on business and investing and we'll link to them in the show notes. But I think those two podcasts will actually be this great conduit if people are like, Charlie Grant, where the hell do I go from here? <laughs> I got no idea what you're talking about. Those two episodes will probably help align you. I like it. All right, next stage. All right, so next stage is stage number four, financial stability. God, it just sounds safe, doesn't it? It's like, ah, safe as houses. No, walk us through financial stability. Like if, some, if someone came up to you and, and for whatever reason they're willing to share their financial position with them, or with you, I should say, and they said, look, I'm financially stable, you'd be like, oh, it does sound good. One day I'm hoping that I can tell someone I'm mentally stable. <laughs> I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. Like, I need those stages. I'm like, give me the stages to mental stability, <laughs> mental independence. <laughs> All right. So let's talk, talk about financial stability here. I think the main thing is here is that you're not solely relying on your business anymore. You, I like to think that this is where it starts changing from need to to get to. It's not completely there, but you don't necessarily need to make decisions that you once had to in order to extract a heap of money out of the business. So less grindy. It's totally less grindy. It, it is, you have options now. Like, the investments are pushing out cash flow or they're doing whatever is, again, your investment type. But you have this stability where you still need to do work in the business or whatever in order for you to pay for your lifestyle, do the things. But you just have choices because you've got this engine that's sitting behind you, compounding and spitting out cash flow, etc. Would you say this is the point where you're maybe halfway on the way to being financially independent? So maybe you need... I don't know, $5 million worth of assets and 250 grand a year of cash flow to be financially independent, right? If you're at half of that, so you're two and a half mil, 100 grand a year in passive, may not cover your uh, expenses after tax, noting that is a topic for another uh, day. Is that what you would say, look, I'm, I'm financially comfortable here? Yeah, so <clears throat> for a financially comfortable, to use that exact expression, I think halfway would be financially comfortable. But I think that the stability comes through each stage. So if you were to think about breaking it down, it's like, well, can I pay all my bills? I remember when I felt this, I'm like, can my investment properties just pay my bills? All of them, like internet, electricity, water, et cetera. I was like, yeah, I can. And I'm like, oh, for the rest of my life, I don't need to pay bills anymore, <laughs> right? And so that brings in this level of stability. The next one is, well, can the investments pay for the rent slash mortgage? Oh, now, like, and the bills, obviously. So it's compounding on top of it. Oh, now I feel even more relaxed. Then can it pay for, like, school fees? Can it pay for, like, maybe food could be one. So I see that the stability is almost like, yeah, you build these, like, little blocks of going, maybe there's five blocks of, like, uh, utilities. Um, then you've got, like, your rent and mortgage. Then you've got, like, your food bill. Then you've got that school and stuff. And then it's, like, building towards the roof component, which is complete financial independence. 
right? And so the stability continues to come, continues to come as, until you get to obviously the next stage, which is five. The key for me in this stage here is that if you've been going way too hard in business, which was me, by the way, I was like grinding hard, doing too many hours, health, family, friends, and everything had be completely neglected. This is the point to start winding a little bit of that back and getting some lifestyle back so that you can actually not just be stable, but sustainable. And present. C- completely. Because uh, let, let's say the financial independence journey as, as a whole is five years. I think five years is a tall order for anyone to just work their face off wholeheartedly. Totally. Especially because a lot of people, like, you'll breach your 30s in this journey, right? Because you're still trying to figure yourself out. And like, then you're getting into the family stage, you're getting into buying, like, it is, you're like, <laughs> for people just to continue pushing hard forever, it's just tough. It just doesn't exist. Do you think there's also merit in some people going, do you know what? I'm going to slow down a lot more here. I acknowledge that, hey, it's going to take me substantially longer to be financially independent, but the lifestyle is worth it. I'm enjoying business. I don't want to feel the need to rush or the pressure. Totally. So, like for myself, it's the, so I, I look at it where the business is completely uncertain, where there are some other things that are more certain or stable. And so for the properties that I have and the buffers that I put in place for each property and the way that it spits out cash flow, I see it as significantly more stable from its previous results that it's got. For me to actually go, I've got something more stable than the business, which means as I take, to your point, as I take the foot off the accelerator in the business and maybe live a little bit more lifestyle, maybe I spend a little bit more time with the family, the kids, et cetera, that then helps me become more into that financially independent mode where I'm, I'm operating based off what I want to do, not what I need to do to put food on the table and do the things. I think another thing that comes from this stage as well is you're probably coming back to buffers, going to probably want to increase your buffers in investing now, whether it's property investments or cash reserves, if you're into shares or whatever it is, like you really have to acknowledge like cash is still going to be needed to create a more stable environment so you don't have to sell assets here as well. Completely, completely. Because again, you just don't want to wipe yourself out. I like it. I, I almost feel like we should change the name of stage four from just financially stable to financially stable and sustainable. <laughs> I'm putting that in. Put it in. I mean, we're not published yet. We still have time to change it. <laughs> I'm going to put comfortable in brackets. But totally. Because that sustainability is key. Like that, to use the, the phrase around like uncertainty and certainty, like that stability is, and the sustainability creates the stability. All right. So someone's got some investments now, buffers and everything is still good. They've got, the, they know what they're doing in investing, right? Financial stability you'll know you've reached here when maybe you're a third of a way towards you your... you feel it? You totally do feel it. <laughs> you do. I, I, I know. But see, this is one of those things where it's like, you know, they say, oh, money money doesn't buy happiness. And they and people go, oh, that's fine for you to say. You've, yeah, already, you've already done yeah. it. Yeah. Um, where it's like for someone that hasn't hit this yet, to say, oh, you'll feel it, I feel is ambiguous. Where I, I want to give them a target where they no, can... totally, totally. Totally. All right, give them a target. I'm going to say it's somewhere between a third... And a halfway towards financial independence. Completely. So, if somewhere in that region, you're going to look up and say, "It's not all on the business." Yeah. It's like, oh, do you know what? It's like if I slow down a little bit, no one's going to die. Yeah. If I'm not burning the midnight oil, it's not the end of the world. You know what? If something breaks and a client gets upset and they leave, okay. Like it's like it's just 
it's just this relax. Like it's just, it's almost like you had this tension and it just like starts to like relax a bit and you just go, great. Like I'm just not forced to do all these things anymore. Say no to that client that you didn't want to bring on. And you just see it in the way that you start coming into the business. Is like you people say you're happier, you're more relaxed, you're more well thought, more well grounded. It's a, it's really interesting and a great spot that heaps of people should thoroughly. You can enjoy. stay here, right? Like if you if you just get here, like it's not compared to the rest of society, this is not a horrible place to be. It's definitely not. And if you're let's say you're uh, 35 when you get to this stage, right? And you go, Do you know, it's gonna t- if I slow down a little bit, it's gonna take me 10 years to hit financial independence. 45 and financially independent is not. A horrible position to be in either. Especially if I'm enjoying the business and I only allocate the time that I want to allocate to the business, spend the time with the family. Sounds like a pretty darn good life to me. It's also not what I did. (laughs) You went... I just want... Well, I'm going to reference that. Well, for those of you that are in a hurry, like I was, (laughs) so now I've given people all the cop out in the world to just slow down at this point. Because honestly, I wish I did. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It was... For me, I didn't need to put my foot on the gas as hard after um, that stage, right? I could have slowed down a little bit and enjoyed life a little bit more. There was things I missed I can't get back. Totally. However, I did manage to do the five-year run and become financially into that point. This is the stage for a lot of people where you will start getting a little bit comfortable and the temptation to be like, I deserve a car. I des- you, know, I des- you know, business has done well now. I've worked so hard. I deserve that business class flight to go to Europe and do all the things. The Rolly, <sighs> the house upgrade. I've got to show everybody that I made it there. Look out for the parade that comes down. I will say this is where I excelled. I was willing to put off everything. Yeah. yeah. I didn't make any silly purchases at this point or become complacent in earnings. And like, I, I honestly put my foot down at this point. And there was like months where I was banking 50 grand a month to. <laughs> push into let's it let's go Abs- absolutely no. and it felt right for me at that time yeah because i was seeing that i was so close to the finish line let's just knock this thing over yeah so it's almost this the what is the marathon runner that's seeing the, the finish line and they just start sprinting towards it and it's like let's go so how do you know that you're out of the uh, financial stability and sustainability stage well i hate to be a dick and reference your thing before but that feeling of financial stability is there how you uh, know, though, that you've kind of finished this stage is you're actually going to be financially independent. Everything's covered by the investments. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'll share this story briefly here. So, we're, we're entering stage five now, by the yep. way. Um, I had didn't. I was so focused on earning and investing, I didn't actually realize I was financially independent until I listened to a podcast and they referenced a uh, financial oh, independence calculator. calculator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you I, said, I sent you the screenshot. Yeah. So, I think I'm financially independent. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I was listening to a podcast. They referenced they just built a financial independence calculator on their website. I got my phone out. I put in my numbers. And what came out is that basically I was 105% financially independent. So I wasn't just financially independent. I was already over, over it, um, which will show you the level of focus and – Honestly, I was enjoying business and investing so much. It had become less about achieving the thing, more I was enjoying the game. It was a great podcast name, by the way, business and investing. So think of this. is like, imagine you're playing a game of golf and you're having so much fun playing golf, you're not watching the score. Yeah, because you're just enjoying it so much. You're immersed in it. I was. I'm still waiting for that to happen. Though, but it doesn't happen for go, everyone. I think golf. I was very fortunate. Yeah, I'm talking about the golf game. <laughs> 
I know you are. <laughs> so financial independence. So is there a stage of financial independence? Like, is there like, well, I can cover if you know what if I don't buy a car, if I don't go out to these nice, nice holidays and fancy restaurants, I'm financially independent. And then it's like, well, now I can go and spend a little bit more or buy a new car every year or two or whatever. Like, are there stages that you've seen yourself go through on that? I'm actually going to kind of merge these two together of stage five and six because there's points I want to cover that come into this. Because that was going to be my next one. It's like, when do you go from five to six? Okay, so when you hit financial independence at your current lifestyle, celebrate it. I think that's a really important thing here to recognize that you've done the thing and like, hey, I don't have to go to business anymore or work anymore. But for me, what I looked at is like, cool, I'm financially independent, but some of the things I want for my lifestyle aren't at the level they would need yet. So I elected to, I don't want to say move the goalpost, but this is where you start adjusting lifestyle things. So this is where if you do want to get that car or you do want to get that watch or you want to upgrade your house, doing it once you're already financially independent is the way to do it. Totally. I think it is miraculous in how you can go about that. Now, in my case here, I thought about it even differently. I reached financial independence and I was like, as I mentioned before, we're at 105%. I started to think about, well, what if I got uh, to 120% and then upgraded my lifestyle to match that? So actually focused on building the asset base first. And then change lifestyle. Then change to the lifestyle. Not just start buying things out of business profits or anything like that in itself. So I think this is a really good point to how can I the day you realize you're actually financially independent, the world changes. And the way I would express it, if you've ever seen The Matrix, there's this one scene where Neo is walking down the street and he uh, notices the girl in the red dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like completely not in the world that other people are in. Yep. That's what it's like. Interesting. So that's the feeling of what it's like from there. And um uh I think I would also like to just mention here. It's worth it. The five-year run you will do or potentially longer or quicker for some people to get to the point where you can sit there and go, do you know what? I'm financially independent. I've done it. Is miraculous. And then you choose to go for golf weekends with best mate. Completely. Yeah. So that's a really interesting approach because you've utilized business to continue to level up your financial independence. Was there, and I know quite a few people that we know of that, almost like shifted to actually just go, well, I'm just going to go full-time on the investment side and essentially try and get like money to work for you. Have you thought about that? Or like, is there like a layer where it completely switches where you go, okay, well, now the business is not providing as much as what I could do on in the investment front? It's, it's, it's so funny. Like, um, So when you've got an investment portfolio my size now in a good year, it can do seven figures. Yeah, totally. Right, of profit on its own. So you sit there and go, well, why would I go, mate? Why would I go? Like, why am I doing business? Why am I doing business? Like, if, and even if you're earning my point. well, right? So, say you're making 20, you've got 20 grand a month you're pulling out and investing. That's just dismal in comparison to that. So, yep. For me, the temptation to go in and essentially be like my own hedge fund, right? So, to just be my work was investing, was there. Totally. However, I've realized for me here, I actually love business. So, what it actually enabled is like a, I don't have to do any have to do business anymore. I get to. So if I get to, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Yeah. So I'm only going to work with clients I want to work with. I'm only going to do projects that interest me, and I'm only going to have a team that I want to work with. Yep. 
And it's like there's absolutely no reason to compromise on any of that because I don't need the money. Yeah, yeah. And the irony being when you start running a business like that and business is really enjoyable, it turns out you can make good money as as well. <laughs> it do- totally. It totally. And so what point does it flick from like this stage of financial independence across into stage six, which is like the let's get wild stage? All right. So once you've adjusted your lifestyle to where like you're not just financially independent for where you are today, but you're like have upgraded things to the lifestyle you want. Then you move into this stage six, which is called let's get wild. And that's that's where you just stop wearing pants and stop caring about every, everything that everyone else thinks about you and just like, yeah, it's just the world that I live in now. Completely. <laughs> <laughs> totally. But different things become important to you, right? If you've got kids, it might be setting your kids up. So legacy becomes huge for people. Um, for others, you mentioned before, impact. Yep. So this is where impact becomes a focus. I mean, Bill and Melinda Gates, I don't know much about, you know, them ethically or what conspiracies they're involved in. <laughs> if they are, I don't know. But it's like they set up a whole foundation post-Microsoft. Yep. So you can see that a lot of people at this stage start to think about things past themselves. Yep. And uh, you don't have to, but that's certainly the opportunity that comes here. So it's just, it, it is then up to the individual to just interpret the idea of let's get wild in their own individualistic ways, whether that's complete lavish lifestyle, living in Europe for six months of the year, or if it's going for impact, which is, I don't know, investing cash or going and spending their time to go and make an impact of not-for-profits. It's like, that is just up to you. You just get to do whatever the heck you want. Does it make any sense in the world for us to spend the money and time we do on golf? For me, it does, <laughs> but it definitely does not. <laughs> All right, just about, but could you have justified it if you were in stage two? No, but you can't, totally, because you're sitting there, you'd be stressed out of your mind. <laughs> does it make any sense to be good at hitting a ball in a hole 300 meters away? <laughs> with, a, with a random metal stick? No, it does not. Totally, and I recognize that. I'm not dissing the game of golf I love, but it's like this is the point where you can irrationally love something for the sake of it with no consequence. I still, I'm still convinced the guy who created golf hates himself. We can cover that in a topic <laughs> of its own. Cooking's become another one for me. Um, I've also upgraded the amount of time I spend working on my health. Like, If you think about how much time I spend on my health now versus when you knew me five years ago, a different person. Completely. I think the people that I know who are in stage six, like they – do a lot of work on longevity as well as quite a few of them have done spirituality to actually go, okay, where to from here? Like, what is, what do I do now? Like, where am I at? So, like, it just takes people in so many different directions that allows them to go and focus on whatever area that they would like to. Yes, in summary. And that is the reward. And I almost want to sell this of, like, this is your time to explore those things. And you're just not going to be able to do it in a way you would like when you're in the other stages. So for, for me, when the choice came up of like, this is why I wanted to knock it down quick, is because I just felt there was so much more to life here to be explored. Totally. Where if you slow down too much, it's like maybe you don't spend the time with your kids. Yep. Maybe you don't work on your health. There's a whole bunch of stuff to explore and enjoy in this stage. I think we've done well. We have kind of thrown one point. The key in stage six is not to risk the first five stages. I think that's like the theme across all of it as well. It's like, it's like how can you not destroy any other stage? Completely. So we could do an entire episode on that as well. That's a great wrap-up point. Let's do it. You know what? If you're listening to this and you're like, 
holy smokes, I need to be part of everything else you record. I got something for you. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter, put in your name and email, subscribe, and we'll notify you every single time we come out with one of these episodes. Just want to say thank you for joining us. Catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.